into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, folks. Welcome to the party, pals. Today is January 18th. It is a Thursday. 2024. This is episode number 538 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I am super wicked, unbelievably over the top, pumped to be bringing you the top cybersecurity news stories of the day alongside my good friends and the Simply Cyber community, folks like Frank Andrewley, Jamie Grunewald, Timothy Libert, Robert Cooper, current baton holder, I might add, John De La Cruz, folks over on LinkedIn like Sakanat Aziz. RN, uh, also over on LinkedIn, Mana Samuka, Marcus Kyler and the Yeet Crew. All of you, long timers, first timers, squad members, just YouTube folks, every one of us, mods, we are all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories together. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So, how can you use this to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Either, you know, tactically like, oh, this is good. I could drop this in an email uh, today and educate people like Carl. Or or I can bake this into my long-term strategic plan because, oh, there's an uptick in activity for my industry around this particular threat. I should start thinking about investments in cyber technologies that can help me defend long-term from that threat space, right? That's what we're doing here. And if that isn't enough, if you're new or looking to break into the industry, whether you just graduated college and you're 18 and green or you're 30 years in a career and you're like, enough, I want to pivot into cyber. We've got plenty of value for you here. You will be asked at any single cyber job interview. How do you stay current in the industry? This right here is a cheat code. Basically, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start is the daily cyber threat brief podcast. Believe me, you drop this knowledge bomb on interviewers and they're going to be blown back. Second of all, you're going to get access to terminology, concepts, threat actor, behaviors, all the good stuff that you really need to know that you're not going to get in a textbook. Believe that. And then as if the value train wasn't dropping bombs all over the place, two windows over is live chat. Hundreds and hundreds of Simply Cyber community members are sharing knowledge, sharing resources, supporting each other. It's all about good times. So get in here, get comfortable, and let's rock and roll. Before I shred the top cyber news stories from the day, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, and the whole crew over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses recover from cyber attacks, and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. 
But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions, they know how to yeet the threat actors out. And they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Emotes on the stream to the left or your right or whatever, whichever direction, maybe above, below, whatever. We got Barricade Cyber Solutions logos all up in this piece. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Listen, Panopsi Security, they can help you right of boom, but their sweet spot, their cherry is left of boom. What does that mean? Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. They can come in as a fractional employee and provide either, you know, tactical, here's how you do SecOps, here's how we can tune your SIM, like hands-on keyboard engineering work, or they have the skills to provide VC so fractional work. So let's talk about your 2024 roadmap. Let's talk about your information security maturity goals and how we can get there with respect to cost, budget, resources, time, all the things. Um, it really is a full suite shop that can help you without having to interview a bunch of people, hire staff. And like, as much as I love hiring staff, it doesn't scale well if you're trying to be agile and just get a capability. You're just trying to do a tabletop exercise really quick and see if it's something that adds value to your business. Pinopside.com, go check them out and ask for Brandon. Tell him Jerry sent you. Chances are I'll be on the other line with him anyways, and he'll be like, Jerry, I got to call you back. Uh, people are on the phone with me wanting to talk. Also want to shout out sponsors, Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Remember, um, I do, we're going to go through the top cyber news stories, but I do not prep or research any of these stories. So I don't know what we're going to be talking about. You're going to be getting my honest reaction. And uh, that's just how it works. I've been in the industry for 20 years. Plus, I have opinions and thoughts on a lot of things. And if I don't, we got such a strong community. There's definitely somebody in chat who's got uh, subject matter expertise and can weigh in. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. That is a continuing professional education credit. No, this is typically needed if you're trying to maintain a professional cybersecurity certification. So if you don't have one of those yet, don't sweat the CPEs, but just know when you get it, your certification, you will need these CPEs. So say what's up in chat, take a screenshot, file it away in a folder and count your CPEs up at the end of the year. No big deal. Super easy. CPEs typically suck to maintain. Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, it makes it wicked easy. So giddy up on that. Say hashtag Team SC in chat and uh, throw it in there. Uh, I do want to say shout out real quick. If this is your first episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief, welcome to the party, pal. Say what's up in chat. Hashtag first timer. Call yourself out. It's not to single you out. It's because we have a special emote and a special sound effect for our new friends. And if you are a first timer, you're a new friend, friend. So hashtag first timer in chat and let's get it going. What's up, Nick Cross? We love it here too. Love it, love it, love it. Team SC. There you are, DP. I hope DP and KP are doing well. Good to see you guys. Uh, oh, do I have cyber starters over? Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I didn't see that. Thank you. Hold on one second. Let me get that overlay off. Thank you very much. That's what happens when you, uh, hold on. Do I have overlays on right now? Oh, 
There we go. Whoever said that, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see who said it, but thank you very much. It's what happens when you run a bunch of shows and you're in charge of production, hosting, developing Cyber 101 content, doing perf- uh, actual practice in industry, meeting with people, being interviewed. Um, occasionally, we miss things. So whoever pointed that out, thanks. You're part of the production crew too now. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, first timers, what's up? Um and by the way, it is Thursday. Every day of the week has a special segment. Thursday is What's Your Meme? Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, has crafted up a great one today, so you're going to want to stay to the mid-roll. All right, guys, I'm Jerry. Let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Thursday, January 18th, 2024. I'm Rich Straffolino. Chinese drones considered national security threat. The FBI and CISA released new guidance detailing how Chinese-made drones can pose a risk to critical infrastructure, along with best practices to defend against them. This reflects the reality that the Chinese firm DJI dominates both the consumer and industrial drone market at the same time that changes to Chinese law give that government broader legal ground to access domestic company data. The guidance includes basic tips like ensuring drones use up-to-date patches, but also calls on companies to recognize that installing drones and docking stations inherently increase their threat surface, even with domestically produced models. CISA recommends companies treat drones like any other IoT device, silo their network traffic, and perform regular log analysis. Oh, Pixie. interesting. This is really interesting. All right. Hey, very cool. Very interesting. Your mic doesn't sound the same. Wanted went to a previous stream for <laughs> I I don't know. Um hopefully you guys can hear me. Hopefully you guys can hear me. I'm I'm hearing that the microphone may not be the same. Uh I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully it's good. All right. Uh mods, uh we've got some audio uh s- some people in comment are mentioning audio is not working, so let me know. All right, so FBI and CISA are warning of national security threat. So when you first read this, you I, at least I was thinking, I'm like, oh, uh, Chinese-based drones, they are collect, you know, like you fly a drone, say you're an engineer and you're flying a drone around a nuclear power plant in order to inspect, right? There is real value in using drone technology to access places that are either difficult to access, dangerous to access, or just for the sake of time, faster to access. Think for a second that there is standard maintenance on a bridge, right? You've got to like walk up the bridge thing and inspect all the like bolts or whatever you got to do or look for underneath the bridge, right? It's over a body of water. You got to bring a like a crane over and then, you know, put the person up there. Well, if you just put a drone and go whoop, you can quickly quickly inspect some stuff. So like that's just um that's just like an example, uh, you know, that I'm grabbing from my butt real quick of like how drones can be used. Now, what they're pointing out, FBI and CISA, is that these drones, um, the ones that are Chinese based, basically have, for lack of a better term, C2 traffic uh, back to Chinese based server farms. So, um, in my mind, it was like, oh, data X, I'm not data exfil, but like, you know, uh, espionage, because that's like China's MO. China is very good at espionage, like getting sensitive information, leaking it back. But what the actual story is pointing out um, is that because of these network interconnections, these drones could basically operate as 
not proxies, but like um, pivot points into organizations like inward. So you could, you know, use it as a jump box to get into a corporate network or for data exfil. So like, let's say you compromise um, a business and you're going to exfil their secret sauce or their uh, medicine formulas or whatever. And you can't go through the front door because we have like, you know, the greatest um, firewalls and, and, you know, EDR technologies on all the endpoints and stuff. Well, they're saying you could pivot off the, um, the drones. So basically the TLDR here is if you're going to go YOLO on drones and introduce them to your actual corporate IT infrastructure, you should, even though they're wicked cool and like pretty awesome, you do have to treat them the same as you would treat like a Google home device or a ring doorbell or closed circuit TV, or, you know, these led light that looks like it's cooking me over here. If it's connected to the internet, you need to treat it like an IOT device, which means obviously, um, keeping it patched, making sure that, you know, it, it's on the right network segment. If you're doing network segmentation, uh, the data on it is scrubbed all, all the things. Uh, but it is interesting because a, I didn't really think uh, personally, I wasn't thinking of drones as IOT devices, but I guess if they are capturing data and sending it over a network somewhere, then yes, it definitely is. Um, it definitely is a concern. So I, I will say, um, in all due respect, in all due respect, and this isn't a political show, but like Chinese drones, like, you know, any company that makes drones te 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 technically has this threat. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of like, um, not shade, but like, I get that there's like this global um, conflict and this global you know, for like new world order power struggle going on between like the United States and, you know, NATO and then like China and BRICS and all this. But just, I feel like there's a lot of like, ah, like China's, China's the boogeyman, like China's the bad guy. Like anyways, I, I just see a lot of it in the underpinnings of news stories. So like, this is like national security threat pros by China. You know what I mean? Like I get it, but guess what? Any drone you buy, could could introduce this attack vector. By the way, I just want to point out, if you buy a drone made in America that has the same, you know, IT infosec capabilities and someone gets into your organization, they can pivot through that drone. It's just an endpoint. Like at the end of the day, that's all they're saying in this story is that drones are IP enabled endpoints that can be converted into zombies or bots for a bot farm. TLDR, if you're using drones, you know, drones have a really good application. Just mind, mind you, mind your business and, and use it as a, a piece of IT. Fail could spell trouble for cloud providers. Researchers at the security firm Quark's Lab documented nine vulnerabilities in the open source UFI specification Tiano Core EDK2. These vulnerabilities relate to IPv6 and can be executed in the pre-boot execution environment, frequently used in large data centers, but generally off by default on consumer machines. The vulnerabilities impact motherboards from ARM, Inside, AMI, Phoenix Technologies, and Microsoft. Attackers could use these flaws to download malicious firmware to a server by capturing local traffic. The researchers contacted the impacted companies, although any fix would need to roll out from them to their customers to implement. All right. Have so this is uh, a look. Okay, so this one's kind of complicated. All right. Uh, it, it's like asking my opinion on. Um, 
I don't know what's something like my opinion on uh, delivery food services, like it's complicated. Okay. So this one, if, if you don't, <clears throat> if you work in like data centers and server farms and stuff like that, you're not going to each individual box and firing them up. You can use things called like pixie boots. Uh, and there's this thing called pixie fail, uh, which is a UEFI vulnerability UEFI. I figure what the acronym stands for. Uh, I'm sure people in chat will drop it. Uh, but UEFI is essentially like second second stage BIOS, right? So you fire up a machine. And typically, like for our laptops, you fire up a machine and the UEF, um, excuse me, the BIOS will kick in the master boot record to fire up the operating system. Uh, but on newer machines and whatever, there's a UEFI. So it's like the BIOS kicks up the UEFI, which kicks up the operating system. That's my understanding of the workflow. And basically UEFI, in addition to introducing new firmware, also introduces a lot of security capabilities like you know, uh, trusted compute platforms and BitLocker and all this other stuff. So it is it is major uh, unified extensible firmware interface. Thank you, Semphilis. So, and thank you, Valentino. So UEFI is here. Now, this story is interesting, but it doesn't really apply to you know, you as an end user doesn't definitely doesn't apply to Carl. It doesn't apply to most businesses. This is uh, a data center issue. So like if you work for AWS or Google Compute or Terramark or any of these, or you have a, maybe you're a bigger company and you have your own private cloud data center, like this could be something uh, to be mindful of. Again, the, the way that this gets exploited requires an attacker to already be on your network and like they have to capture network traffic between two endpoints on the local network. So like, honestly, if someone's exploiting this, which is not trivial to exploit anyways, <laughs> they're like, the call is coming from inside the house. The threat actor is upstairs. Like, yeah, 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 you, you busted. Okay. So, um, UEFI vulnerabilities are always pretty sexy though, because they are like low level code and very interesting. They probably, uh, have, yeah, you can see pre-boot execution environment. They're talking about when it's configured to use IPv6, oh my God, IPv6, it was supposed to be the savior. <laughs> Instead, everybody was just like, no, we're good um, with IPv4. So there's a proof of concept code out there. TLDR, if you're running, um, if you're running uh, this Pixie in your data center, be mindful. I don't think many of us are. Um, and if, you, if you're really into security research and you're really into um, like, deep technical stuff. This could be an interesting story to like brief up, up, get more info on. But for, for me personally, as a practitioner and for like the clients I help and the businesses I serve, like this is interesting, but I'm, I'm not wasting any more data cycles on this, by the way, just shout out to, um, how like just reinforcing the fact that I don't prep, uh, or share. And, uh, it looks like the mods are pointing this out too. Uh, it actually says unified extensible firmware interface in the uh, the graphic here. So I asked people what this stood for. It's literally in front of me. Again, guys, uh, you know, <laughs> producing, hosting, engaging. Uh, I don't I don't see everything, and I don't research the story. So I'm trying to move with quickness on giving you something uh, useful to take away from. So to all those who said it in chat, thank you, and to all those who pointed out, it's in the graphic directly in front of me. Also, thank you.
Uh, I am so dumb. You are so dumb. Thank you, Anton. Pwned at statistically significant data leak. Troy Hunt and his leak alert site, Have I Been Pwned, has seen a lot of leaks. So when he describes one as statistically significant, you should take notice. The leak site recently added the NAS.API data set, which includes 104 gigabytes of data, including 70.8 million unique email addresses with associated plain text passwords. In sampling, Hunk found that over a third of listed emails were net new to Have I Been Pwned, something pretty rare in a leaked data set. This data set appears on hacker forms up to four months ago, seemingly coming from stealer logs on compromised machines, mixed in with much older data from previous leaks. All right. Holy crap. So this is this is noteworthy. This is uh, the NAS API credential. Just so everyone knows, we're talking NAZ NAS, not, um, not Illmatic NAS NAS. This is a scene from Belly. If you don't know Belly, it is a treasure. I love it. I love it. I love it. Method Man's in this movie. Uh, DMX is in this movie. Obviously, Nas is in this movie. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Enough. Enough. Do you really want it? Marcus Kyler, right? The the intro song to this uh, to this track. Woo, it is spicy. Spicy. All right. So check it out. Um, this Nas data leak um, is significant. T two things to share. One, well, three things to share. One, if you see this uh, animate, like see this profile photo right here. I say this every time it comes up. Like, I don't know if the threat actors have a like code of honor. But like basically, if someone's using this profile photo, this anime girl character, it's typically super legit. It's almost like it's like the blue badge for uh, Simply Cyber Squad. Like you can't get it unless you unless you've like, quote unquote, earned it like this anime anime character is always tied to something wicked legit. Second of all, have I been pwned? This is a really good Great website resource. I'll drop a link in chat. If you don't know about this one, Troy Hunt manages it. He basically aggregates all uh, 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 data dumps with uh, username and passwords. You can see they have over 12 billion accounts, almost 13 billion here in chat. I mean, here in uh, the website. So you can go there and check if your email address or any of your end users' email address was involved in a data breach. Really fun activity. If you want to drop that for, um, like in, in an information security awareness email for your end users, you can just say, hey, you ever wonder if your email address is in a thing? Put it here and check it out. People will be intrigued. People will be interested and they'll do it. Although if you do have to explain to them when they do see their username and password there that they probably need to, uh, like what do they do, right? They're gonna get scared. So you gotta, you gotta give them a solution to not just scare the crap out of them. All right, so this uh, data set has... Um, literally uh, 1 billion, get your, get your Dr. Evil on, has 1 billion unique records in it. And you can see in the screenshot right here, um, this is what it looks like, guys. At the end of the day, this is what a data dump looks like. Here's the email address. I mean, excuse me, here is the URL for the site. And here is the username and password. You can see on stream, they've actually uh, blotted out the, um, the, uh, the password, um, excuse me, the usernames but the passwords are there, right? And I just want to point out also, look at these passwords, like Cuomo's Fabric, AC4, underscore SVC, um, Jason, Jason, that's a terrible password. 
Jason, whoever you are, Jason. Uh, Jeremy02, also awful password. But you can see, a, oh my God, two, the one at the bottom, 22667755. You are so dumb. I hate to throw shade, but come on, what are we doing here? So a lot of these passwords are actually good passwords. You can tell they're probably created by um, uh, password managers. But when they're involved in a data breach, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand character password that is unbelievably secure. If it's in a breach, it is out in public clear text and it doesn't matter. This right here is exactly why we need multi-factor authentication on all of the things. This right here, another opportunity to educate your end users, just right click, paste, copy paste this picture in an email and be like, Look, this is what data breaches look like. Enable multi-factor authentication, bro. All right. So anyways, I don't know if they're selling this. Um, I don't know if they're selling this data set or if they've just leaked it for the sake of leaking it. Um, but you have to assume uh, that it's out there, right? And a data set like this could be, um, could be um, sold but they don't typically they they typically won't sell it for a lot of money right it's just it's more about scale right if i sell this billion unique list for like 100 bucks and you know whatever 1000 people buy it i just made $100,000 right so uh that's what's up this is a huge password list i assume troy hunt got a copy of this since um it's on his website so the um have i been pwned excuse me nas uh excuse me nas I'm just wondering if have I been pwned is in here. Yes, you can see right here, right here. Um, it's it's tough to see on stage, but right here, it's it says the NAS API accounts are in here. So this is updated and current. So you yourself might want to go investigate, but uh, great work, Troy Hunt, and nasty bit of business. This was leaked in September. So chances are... Um, Chances are, if you're going to get pwned, it's already happened. But, you know, best practice, go change your passwords if if they show up in here. GPUs at risk from leftover locals. Ugh. The security firm Trail of Bits published a report on vulnerabilities in GPUs that could allow an attacker to exfiltrate memory data. Dubbed leftover locals, this attack would allow someone with established credentials on a target machine to access local GPU memory. With researchers seeing up to 180 megabytes of exfiltration possible. Apple, AMD, and Qualcomm confirmed impacted hardware. Apple said its new M3 and A12 processors resolved the vulnerabilities. Qualcomm said it will release firmware patches eventually, and AMD said it expects patches in March. The researchers disclosed leftover locals to the Kronos Group and U.S. CERT Coordination Center in September to draw wider industry awareness. And now, All right, so check it out. Um, you know, AI data exposed, leftover locals attack, uh, this is an attack on quote unquote AI. Uh, here we go. Shall we play a game? Uh, an attack on AI. Most of us have been talking about prompt engineering and hacking outside the safety guardrails of AI, etc. Um, I have said this before, and you really should be moving forward with this in your mind. Anything you put into ChatGPT, anything you put into Bard, um, you should assume that it's going to become public. All right. Now they do say that, like you know. It's not like anything you put in there, you can then have someone go, you, I can't go query what other people are putting in. But 
just like anything you put in email isn't supposed to get out, you have to assume that it can get out, right? So this is a perfect example where um, move fast, break things. GPUs are being used to do deep compute crunching and stuff like that, helping AI move faster, quicker, stronger, but they're not cleaning up the data um, that's stored in the GPUs. And basically someone can query and pull down the data in the GPUs. Um, what I will say about this story is the following. One, this made public headlines because it's AI related, not because it's a significant attack. Two, like there's so much data getting jammed into AI right now that like you can't have a precision surgical hit, right? I can't be like, ooh, I'm like, I'm gonna target a Samsung engineer to see what kind of you know next level AI you know thing they're doing. Like I can't precisely target certain companies, certain users, certain queries, certain times, right? Like to me, the leftover locals attack, as I'm understanding it, again, I don't do research on these stories in advance. So this is just based on what I do know, is that it's basically a uh, crime of opportunity, right? You basically, if you're able to successfully strike and hit a leftover locals attack, it's like buying, you know, like when you go to the store, um, like maybe uh, like the fireworks store or the candy store or, or wherever. And they have like the random brown bags and like a number written on it. And like you can buy a random bag for like five bucks. And like maybe you score some type of like, you know, whiz banger and bumblebees and uh, Roman candles or whatever. It, or maybe it's just like some M80s and, or whatever. Like you don't know what you're going to get, right? Or, or, you know, whatever Forrest Gump in your box of chocolates. To me, that's what this is. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe you strike gold. Chances are you, you strike a dud, right? You, you strike you strike Charles Finfrock asking ChatGPT to write a, a, a love sonnet to his wife. Way to go, Charles. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love so, it, love it. You know what I mean? So, like, this is interesting, but in my opinion, this is borderline academic research. It's interesting, but for me, you, and ChatGPT, this isn't... We're not like we're not shutting down the business for the weekend while we get this sorted out. This is just interesting. Okay. A word from our sponsor, Savvy Security. Shadow identities on SaaS apps are growing unchecked, rapidly expanding. Ooh, hack right at eight thirty-two. Have little to no visibility or control. Savvy helps security teams safely embrace SaaS benefits by automating the discovery and removal of the most toxic combinations of SaaS identity risk. Savvy's automation playbook and just-in-time security guardrails guide users at scale toward proper identity hygiene. That's Savvy, identity-first SaaS security. Learn more at savvy.security slash headlines. All right. What's up, everybody? Hope you're enjoying the heck out of the show. I certainly am. Love it, love it, love it. If you're getting value from the stream today, how many people we got? 412 of you beautiful babies. Let's go. If you're getting value from the stream, do me a solid and hit the like button if you're on YouTube. It goes a long way to triggering other people to find the show. That's it. It's a YouTube algorithm hack. If you guys hit the like button and you search for cybersecurity, believe me, Google's got a profile on all of us. If you like, hit the like button on this show, it's basically going to tell YouTube to go tell other cyber people what we're doing here. And that's how we grow the community. And that's how we do it. 
Yes, the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. All right, guys. Thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, including you, regardless of financial position, which means you could take amazing training with hands-on skills, practice what is actually taught in real time from unbelievable high value educators for as little as you want to pay, including $0. Let me tell you specifically about next week or the week after next, the last week of January, John Strand and Anti-Siphon Training is going to be presenting the Active Defense and Cyber Deception course, which is amazing. If you are a uh, blue team defender or you're a jack of all trades kind of defender, shoestring budget, this right here is a game changer. There's a link in the description below for um, for this particular course. Like if you wanna sign up for free, go do it. I love it. I've taken the course, it is exceptional. Also, John Strand, the following week, first week of February, John Strand is teaching SOC core skills. If you're looking to break into the industry and you wanna get immersed immediately in unbelievable stuff, SOC core skills, again, it's all it is, is do you have, do you want to take the time and do you have the initiative? Cost is not a factor here. Pay what you can. Use the links in the description below. Active Defense, Cyber Deception, SOC Core Skills, two amazing trainings. I don't know when they're going to come around again. John does them like maybe uh, two, three times a year. All right. Thank you, stream sponsors. All right, guys. I'm super pumped because we got to talk about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Boom, baby. Let me tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you want to level up and blow up your um, your LinkedIn network, do the following, okay? Very, very straightforward. This is the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. All I need you to do is go on LinkedIn if you want to participate. Search for the posts using the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's simple as that. Go on LinkedIn, search for that hashtag and find the people posting with the hashtag, comment and send connection requests to all of those people. And because you're commenting, the next group of people that are gonna be connecting and sending connection requests will be connecting with you. So you wanna do that. Robert Cooper posted yesterday, has the baton. Robert Cooper is gonna tag somebody. If you get the baton, that's you're the one person with the baton for the day, we ask, Whoever Robert Cooper tags, head to LinkedIn, make a post on LinkedIn, share your story. Why do you love the Simply Cyber community? Why do you love cybersecurity, et cetera? And use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge so we can find you. Oh my gosh, it's all about good times. Robert Cooper tags someone. Take care of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge today. All right, guys, I also want to let you know it's Thursday, so Dan Reardon always makes a custom meme. And I've been talking about Magic the Gathering lately. Uh, and uh, I have a green three mana, two, one green, gather around the campfire and you get to choose, it's an instant, you get to choose one scary story I tell, uh, untap all creatures, scavenge for GRC, I am a big GRC wonk, search your library for GRC key, key card and put it in the battlefield and then, or you can do coffee pot, create two coffee tokens and drink up that coffee, Dan Reardon, hilarious my friend, hilarious. Gather around the campfire as I tell you uh, the more you know stories. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much, Dan. All right, everybody, let's get back to the news.
trying. Hold on. Let's get back to the news. Most CSAM online is self-generated. According to a new report from the Internet Watch Foundation, the amount of self-generated child sexual abuse imagery, as opposed to reshared CSAM, jumped up from 66% a year ago to now account for 90%. Overall, the IWF found pages with CSAM up 8% of the year to 275,655. IWF Chief Executive Susie Hargreaves said this shouldn't be characterized as overall more CSAM available necessarily. Better detection could account for that rise. The foundation used this study to advocate the UK government to weaken end-to-end encryption in the country. She All right. Um, okay, sorry. I was like moderating also. Um, so CSAM is just awful, deplorable stuff. Um, if you're interested in learning more about how law enforcement, <clears throat> if you're interested in hearing about how law enforcement is combating this, um, just awful, disgusting, um, blight, uh, I recommend you check out either, uh, Darknet Diaries episode, Welcome to Video, or read uh, Andy Greenberg's book, Tracers in the Dark, uh, and the fourth case study is the same thing about welcome to video. Um, it looks like Khalil Lazar is going to take the bon- the, the, the uh, bat- baton. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I don't even know what to say about this story. It's such, it's such a, I'm glad that there are people out there who are willing to combat and fight this because I don't think I could, I, I, it, there, it, I, I don't even know what to say. Like it, it, they're freaking kids, man. Like we're supposed to protect children, not exploit them. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, Internet Watch Foundation says that they found a hundred thousand web pages with children under ten uh, in CSAM type material. I, I don't want to spend much time on this story, but just because it's it's, I don't want to not give it what it uh, it's intended for, but <clears throat> I just, you know, we can't we can't um, exploit privacy and end to end encryption, um, for everybody in order to combat this, right? I, I, as unfortunate it is, we can't have a total police state. Mono Julian with a super chat. <laughs> Best friends. Yep. Reminder, sysadmin, Linux admin, network support may or will likely have you conducting cybersecurity duties. Absolutely, Mono Julian. If you're not in cyber, but you do work in uh, IT, definitely take every opportunity um, to uh, help c- cybersecurity practitioners so you can bang out your um, your resume and start building up that. Plus, demonstrate to the infosec people that you you are a value add and that you know basically they would bring you onto the team at some point. All right. Um, I don't know. I'll put it this way. There's a reason why uh, people who abuse children, when they go to jail, the, 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 the population in the jail typically address the issue, right? I, I'm not going to get too detailed on that, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, this number is disgusting. The whole, the whole thing is gross. I hope, I hope more is done uh, to help combat this, but not at the not at the expense of individual privacy. We we cannot have a total police state. Um, 
we cannot have a total police state. It, it, it would it would be 1984 uh, and it would be awful. All right. In China's cybersecurity crosshairs, the Chinese big tech crackdown might have eased up in recent years. But a visit from the Cyberspace Administration of China when you're about to IPO is still the last thing any Chinese firm is looking forward to. <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal sources say the agency began investigating the fast fashion giant Xi'an ahead of its IPO. This will reportedly look into how it handles staff and supplier data, including what data it will disclose to U.S. authorities once going public. Cybersecurity reviews by the CAC can take months, so it remains unclear how this will impact Xi'an's IPO plans. All right. So <clears throat> let's talk about two different things here. Okay. One, this company, Xi'an, this has nothing to do with cybersecurity, by the way. Okay. It says China's cybersecurity police, but to me, that is. window dressing. Okay. So this company, Shein, is basically, you want to talk about go-to-market uh, strategies? This is the thing. You, If you make like 10,000 uh, t-shirts and then you put them in your warehouse and then you sell your shirts, but then it it doesn't, it, it it's not popular, right? Or maybe you sell a thousand shirts and it's like the hotness, but then uh, it's no longer trendy. And then you got 9,000 shirts in a warehouse that no one wants to buy. And you're like, oh my God. Okay. So what Shein has done is they've, they use AI or predictions or whatever to predict trends and amount of product they're going to sell on that trend. And they're trying to just in time make just the right amount. So you don't have all that wasted overhead and wasted um, investment and it's just pure profit, right? It's pure revenue. Straight cash, homie. It's straight cash, homie. Um, okay, so now they want to IPO, which is basically uh, initial public offering. They want to become a publicly traded company. It looks like they want to get on the New York Stock Exchange and they want to go gangbusters. Like get straight cash, homie. When you IPO as a, as a tech startup, that's when all the founders get paid out. That, if you're watching my show, Cyber Starters, on Tuesdays at 1, you know what I'm talking about. Um, this is where you get paid. This is where you get money. Okay? Now, China's security police has stepped in and said, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to investigate your data handling practices. This is going to hold up this company, Xi'an, from being able to IPO. So this, this is now a blocker for them getting money. Now, they're saying in the story that it's scrutinizing the data handling practices for potential national security risks. While this may be true that Xi'an has tons of information on Chinese citizens, and that's why uh, China wants information on it. Um, okay, so, so this, is the, this is the news story. China's blocking Xi'an from going public until the data handling practices are reviewed. And I might add, if you do work for a tech startup company, you should be mindful of data handling practices, data governance, and all that. Now, allow me, if you will, um, a moment to put on my tinfoil hat. Anytime I put a tinfoil hat on, it's basically a hot take that is my own opinion and not that of the Simply Cyber community or whatever. This right here, okay, has two prongs to it in reality. And I'm basing this on previous experience or previous case study from China. One. One, the, the data, secure handling, data privacy. No, 
one, China wants to know, China, the government wants to know how they can use the data that Xi'an's collecting and make sure that it's getting funneled to um, the Chinese government for whatever operational needs they need. Two, China's going to make sure that uh, any capability that they can use to leverage Xi'an and uh, whatever data they want, the Chinese government wants, um, that Xi'an puts it in. Okay. We saw this, okay, with Alibaba. We saw this with several other companies. There are massive, massive, huge, very successful financial companies out of China that have tried to IPO or whatever. And, and basically, China blocks them. And then you um, amazingly, you see some type of Chinese bureaucrat get appointed to the board. So they have someone like basically living in the house of the business reporting back. And it's typically like, you know, like China gets a little taste, mm? a little taste. Great cash, homie. That's all it is. To me, China blocking this is one part making sure that they can, the, the government of China can get as much data that they want for practical use. And two, for the Chinese government to get their, their taste, right? They're, they're like racketeering fee. Like, oh, you want to go IPO? You, you got to, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it makes me think of um, the mafia in the Vegas casinos in like the 50s. Oh, you want to get a permit to build? Oh, it's going to be tough to get those uh, Teamsters on board. Now, if, uh, if an apple pie with $200,000 were to appear in my car, well, then maybe that permit would get approved. Again, I have no direct involvement or evidence of this. But if you go look back at other companies in China, that there was a rideshare company. Do you guys remember that? What was the rideshare company out of China that tried to IPO and they got slapped down harder than a... Um, I, I don't have a good metaphor to throw out, but there was a rideshare company in China. I just I, I just want to uh, point this out because I don't want you guys to think I'm I'm making this up. Um, hold on, Didi, Didi. Okay, so this is from September third, twenty twenty one. Didi's global rapid ride from IPO starter regulatory target. Look at this story. DD has highlighted the perils of investing in Chinese tech companies as regulatory crackdown wipes billions of dollars off the ride hailing giant's valuation. Okay? It hit him right in the pocketbook. Oh, you don't want to play? No problem. Go ahead. IPO, no big deal. We're going to we're going to like you're going to pay. You're going to pay one way or the other. Anyways, not to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but when I saw that story, that is what I think of. Okay? Info stealers getting past macOS defenses. Researchers at Sentinel One released a report claiming that several active info stealers can currently bypass macOS's built-in XProtect antivirus engine. This relies on known malware signatures. Even with those, the Key Steal, Atomic Info Stealer, and Cherry Pie Stealers can still run freely. The researchers say XProtect signature database scans show Apple knows these remain an ongoing problem. All right. Here's the deal. I got, I got a bunch of quick hits for you. Okay. One spoiler alert, Macs and Apple computers can get viruses. They're just Linux machines with a bubblegum interface. Okay. They can get malware. Second of all, 
This is an example. Second of all, you should be running EDR agents on all of your endpoints that you can run them on, including Max. Uh, third, mostly, even if you're a Windows shop, spoiler alert, the executive team probably runs Apple products. Um, so they and they are VIP targets. So you definitely want to make sure that they're not clicking on dumb stuff. Uh, fourth, uh, these are three examples of technology uh, or malware, key steal, atomic stealer, and cherry pie. All info stealers, which are basically going to get on your box and steal your credentials, steal your session tokens, um, you know, steal all your things, right? Uh, which can lead to multi-factor authentication bypass, et cetera. So you got to be mindful of that. Um, we know about this particular uh, technology. So you would think that Sentinel One, Carbon Black, Microsoft Defender, you would think that they would be working on configuring detections to uh, identify these things. If you want a fun, uh, fun, I think it's fun. If you want a fun exercise, um, if you know, like basically if you have cycles, you should look up the indicators of compromise for any one of these three malwares and then jump in your SIM and go thread hunting or jump in your EDR uh, management console, filter on Apple computers and go thread hunting. Look for some of the behaviors that these info stealers are doing and see if you've got a compromise in your environment. That's a fun little, I mean, again, fun is a subjective term, but that's a fun little um, thread hunting exercise. And one that you could either A, document, or B, share in an interview, or C, blog post on LinkedIn. All right, let's keep going. Google updates oh, oh, Chrome oh, oh. incognito mode disclaimer. Hold on. The final thing I want to share with you is if you are an interested in Apple uh, research, Apple malware, Apple security research, there is none better than Patrick Wardle, former NSA guy, Hawaiian. He's super chill, loves to surf. He always comes to Black Hat DEF CON. He always speaks. He wrote the book, Art of Mac Malware. He's one of the nicest people I've met. He is so cool. Uh, sometimes I talk about my favorite presenters. He is one of my absolute top three presenters of all time. Even if I'm not interested in like what his talk is about, I will go to his talk because he is captivating. I love this guy as a practitioner, Patrick Wardle. Patrick Wardle. And if you go to objective-see.org, um, you, you can learn more about Patrick. He's awesome. Earlier this month, we covered Google's $5 billion settlement over misleading language in its Chrome incognito mode banner. A lawsuit from 2020 claimed Google didn't make it clear that websites and Google itself would still track user data. In response, Chrome's canary build now displays a new <coughs> incognito mode warning, stating the mode won't change how data is collected by websites you visit and the services they use, including Google. When did we? All right. Hey, quick shout out to Abibot Adesina, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. First timer, first first timer I see in chat. So Abibot, welcome to the party, pal. Great to have you. Um. All right. So. Google got sued to the tune of $5 billion. Believe me, me and you are not getting anything north of a buck for this lawsuit. The lawyers are going to get straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. And you and I are not going to get it. Catch me outside. How about that? But um, if you use incognito mode, then you will see this new disclaimer. And it, it looks like I haven't gotten it updated yet. 
Uh, oh, wait, I can't share my screen because it doesn't show up as a separate tab. I just busted open incognito mode. I don't see this. Uh, with all due respect and honesty, I mean, like really, if you're opening the incognito mode, is anyone actually reading this little disclaimer? No, you open incognito mode and you're like, ooh, I'm secret, I'm private, and off you run and go. But uh, as it can say here, all it really gets you is it doesn't save your browsing history and it doesn't save information entered into the forms. What it does know is what you type in the URL and hit enter. It may not know your browsing history in Chrome. The Chrome application, here's the deal. This is so like dicey. The Chrome application does not save your browser history, but it doesn't need to because Google is harvesting where you're going anyways. Like this is a key distinction. Chrome, the application is not saving your browser history, but Google is, right? So like, if you think you're going to some, like how to build a, uh, some, you know, how to build something or uh, going to www.sociallyunacceptablewebsite.com or whatever, Google knows, all right? Also, the sites you're going to, they know you're going there too. They're harvesting all your data. If you really want privacy, incognito mode is not your jam. What you want to do is brave browser and VPNs and you know maybe go off tour if you really want a private but slow internet connection. Th that's the deal, okay? So... I honestly, in our society, I don't know why Google didn't just say this at the beginning and try to be dodgy. Most people aren't going to read it anyway. So who gives a crap, right? All right. We all agree that red teaming was about validating security. Oh. It seems like increasingly. All right. That's going to do it for the news. We are at 8.53. So check this out. Guys, I want to thank you all for being here today. We had a great stream. Um, Late, oh my god, later today. Oh, later today at 4 30 p.m. Oh my god, stop! I'm going to be joined by Tom Hudson, aka Tom Nom Nom. Uh, this guy is a absolute delight, he is unbelievably skilled. Uh, he's like a Linux ninja, he's got a huge, huge GitHub repo. His tools that he makes, um available to the op uh, like open source software the tools he writes for the security community are downloaded by like hundreds of thousands of people like you may have already used a tool that he wrote and you didn't even know it he's just a really great cool guy and he makes tools basically if he does something for work and he can make a tool that does it for him faster stronger more effective he makes it and then he makes it available he is awesome uh, and he's gonna he just started uh doing content creation again recently so um he's coming on the show he's gonna tell us all our what we all need to know and rock and roll so join us at 4 30 p.m eastern time if you were here just for the daily cyber threat brief this was episode 538 i wish you a very good day be well and have a great day and hopefully we'll see you at 4 30 p.m eastern I'll, I'll drop a link in chat right now for the stream but if you subscribe to the simply cyber youtube channel and you have the bell for notifications, or you're on the Simply Cyber Discord server and you have opted into the SC Notify role, you will be notified as soon as we go live with Tom Nom Nom today. Um, it is 8.55. I have a couple minutes for jaw jacking. It is Thursday, which means I have to go to the Citadel and teach. I am faculty at the Citadel on top of all my jobs. <clears throat> so, we're going to have a good time. Give me a hot second here.
All right. Uh, really quickly, I'm not sure if guys, if y'all saw the uh, the change to the um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge, yet another little process improvement to the stream. Um, you you may have noticed I don't do the little uh, show stream starting soon countdown thing. I just do the two videos and then I'm live and off and running to kind of eliminate that little dip at the beginning. Uh, I've I've increased the uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge clarity with the full screen ads. Um, like I told you guys, I'm working slowly but surely, 1% at a time to improve the production quality of all, uh, you know, Simply Cyber assets. Um, thank you, uh, Carrie. I appreciate the feedback. You should do a coffee of the week. Yeah, Pamela. Actually, I've got to get with Josh Mason's dad. Uh, I ran out of that coffee bean he made and we got to get back on that. Um, what level of Linux will Tom Tom be talking? I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll have to see, uh, David Robbins. Be good, Jane, Michelle. Thank you, C. Bright. Loving the improvements. Very cool. Thanks to the mods. Really quickly, Jenny Housley, BSEC, Justin Gold, Kimberly, Casually Joseph. By the way, if you guys didn't know, Casually Joseph was recently invited and accepted um, the opportunity to become a Simply Cyber Community moderator. So Justin, uh, Casually Joseph, welcome to the party, pal. Thank you. Obviously, we got uh, Stefan, uh, Jesse Johnson, uh, Joel, Eric Taylor. We got a great mod team, guys. Uh, all right. Well, how are we doing on time? I've got one minute left, y'all. Uh, do you think some new Rocky-style list will come from the Nas breach? Michael Fink on LinkedIn asks. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Michael Fink... Um, this is, um, if you're, I think it's called sec lists. Um, there's a website. Uh, I think it's called sec lists. Let me see. Yeah. Daniel Meisler. Okay. So Daniel Meisler, great guy has an amazing newsletter on AI. And, uh, if you go here, this GitHub repo is basically all the, the word list that you would possibly want. And um, Josh Mason is a mod. Thank you, Josh Mason. I, I wasn't forgetting my friend, Josh Mason. Um, they keep this pretty well updated. You could see, well, I guess the last, yeah, the last update was 13 hours ago. So this keeps updated. So if you were going to find uh, this rock you list, I would recommend checking here first. Okay. All right, guys. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I want to thank all of you for being here today. It takes a village, y'all. And you guys, we are all the Simply Cyber community. Love it, love it, love it. Be well, everybody. Justin Gold, yep. Until next time, I'm Jerry, your chat. See you at 4.30 p.m. Be well and stay secure.
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.